Welcome back to the podcast, The Rocks, weekly podcast that talks about news in the worlds of rock, metal, alternative, and everything in between. With me again is Go Gretchen. Say hello, Gretchen. Hello, Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You walk into it every single time. I keep hoping you'll change. Why? Just slightly. Because Why? <laughs> that joke is so old. So <laughs> old. Wow. It's as even Roddy Dangerfield's how old is it joke line would be. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's hurtful. No, it's not. So there's been some interesting developments that have gone on in the past, not even week, like ever since the beginning of this weekend, last Thursday, Friday, stuff like that. Um, one thing, there's a few things we want to talk about. There's some album updates for bigger bands coming that I'll get into in a little bit. Uh, there's, tours that are still getting announced which are really cool to check out one thing that happened today as of this recording on march 2nd monday i got a message from message from gretchen earlier um about zach from shinedown for those who don't know shinedown is gretchen's number one and she sent me a message and do you have the message up to you like just i'll let me see i'll pull it up just so i get it word for word Mm -hmm. do you have it with you too do you see it I can get it. Okay, go ahead and... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you read the tweet from Zach? Sure. It says, Yo, at Eddie Trunk, Next time you continue to talk shit on my band, when I see you at a festival, come up and talk then, homie. Sure, we run string tracks and some key tracks and some percussion tracks on some songs, like 80% of live bands who make big successful albums. So that's the main tweet that started a little bit of uh, chain going on. I don't think Eddie Trunk's responded yet. No. Um, Eddie Trunk has a big, very successful podcast. He works with Sirius XM. If I'm correct, he works with Access. He is a part of that metal show back in the day. I mean, he is legacy at this point. He is a very respected name in the world of rock and metal, especially metal. And... It's very weird, if true, to hear that Eddie Trunk is complaining about Shinedown. Well, especially since they came after the 80s and he only cares for bands like from the 80s. He that's well, that's his bread and butter. I would say 90s too, but at the same time, I get what you're saying. Like, I don't know how much Eddie Trunk really has a grasp on the current bands of today that are still working and going. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Like, we'll get a around that because other people are chiming in in the defense of Zach and things like that. Again, I don't know if Eddie Trunk has responded or even said anything because this is still very recent. Oh yeah, it doesn't look like he said anything. The issue is Eddie Trunk is as anti-backtrack as it gets. And that's a, yeah, that's a big part of the discussion. Go ahead. Well, someone had made a comment saying how much um, Eddie loves Rush Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently Rush is known for Rush has used backtracks before too, even yeah. back in their heyday. They have they absolutely have. So someone was like saying, you know, how can you hate on bands that use um these tracks when bands that you yourself love Yeah, and that um, is use them. That is a double standard for sure. Like you can't bat bash all these bands that are using backtracks. Well, now, there, and there's like a difference between using backtracks and then like lip syncing. I agree. Like, the thing is, I my clarification on this: Rush never relied on backtracks, and if they even if they had them, 
And shine down if they use backtracks, like I know they have. Like one of the arguments, like Zach says, like he uses like a backtrack for a string section, for like the beginning of a song. Yeah, okay. that's really not a big deal at all. And like mm-hmm. if the the difference is if you have a backtrack in like to set an ambience or a mood, or if it's like a one instrument inclusion, especially when you're live. The big difference between that and then relying on backtracks to carry the music. Right. And if it's the latter, I get the argument because there are many bands that do that big time. And I agree. Like when bands rely too much on backtracks, it's a problem. That's what's hurting a lot of rock and metal. Using backtracks in general aren't that big of a deal. And a lot more bands do it than people realize, even live. Mm -hmm. So one band like... That's used them for years that I know Gresham and I are fans of. They have a new album coming out uh, later this month is In This Moment. Right. Oh, they, yeah. They use backtracks like to set up the mood and like set up like the uh, rhythm just a little bit. Like because they're mm-hmm. big on atmospheric type music. They have been for years, like for so many albums. And their live show is just that too. The band is still playing. All of them are still playing. Maria is still singing. Oh, yeah. So that's a big difference for that. There are other bands, though, that definitely, um, I don't know how to politely put this, rely on the backtrack. If they didn't have that there, they'd be dead. (laughs) Or I shouldn't say dead. The shows would be wildly different. When I saw Hollywood Undead in 2018, nice guys, but at the same time, they relied on a backtrack. Oh, really? Yes. Mm. Relied on it. And I think that's what hurts it a little. Hurts when people use backtracks like and that over-reliance of it. Right. So that's just my thing about this. So it's very weird to hear that Eddie Trunk, who you constantly hear is a good guy, really nice to people. He's like the fun. He would be like the fun uncle or grandpa that you could ever want. That knows all the bands that knows everything about music. He's the fun, the funny uncle, the funny grandpa type guy. If it's true that he's like he heard that Shinedown uses backtracks and go and then he complained about that, I don't get why. Mm-mm. Because Eddie Trunk knows Shinedown. There's no way as involved as he is with music, still, there's no way he doesn't know Shinedown. There's no way. Right. So that that is like the most odd random call out, if that's true. And like Gretchen and I were both looking for like where exactly he said it because like this all popped up because Zach Myers made the call out and like called Eddie Trunk out for what he, what was being said. And I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or if it was on Access or SiriusXM, but at the same time, a lot of people are coming to Zach's defense on this, and I agree. Like if you use a backtrack for like just like a, literally in the distance to set up a song. There's nothing well, wrong with like, it. especially if you're using, say, like strings, you're not going to hire, you know, an orchestra to come on tour with you. Mm-hmm. I agree. It, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like a, a band that does it really well is Star Set. They use mm-hmm. backtracks. Their whole gimmick for the, for the first two albums was space exploration. It still is now, too. Now it's like uh, post-apocalyptic, but it's still space exploration and futuristic type stuff. Mm-hmm. They're still playing all those instruments. They're still they have a violinist and cellist with them on tour at all times now, along yeah. with the band. They're all doing the work. Yeah. 
And I get like, what do you expect them to do? Like actually build a real robot and have him do the beep boops in the back? Well, yeah, no. of course. Well, I mean, it'd be fun to watch him beep boop, but like Conky the Robot from Pee Wee Herman, but that's besides the point. So there are so many things like that. Like Starset does a good job with it though. There are many more bands that do that. And some bands don't do it well. I'm not going to say that every band that does a backtrack that doesn't rely on it doesn't need to. I think backtracks are becoming a reliance for a lot of bands, especially bands that have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. The most recent Green Day album, there are a couple backtracks in that. Okay. So it's just minor stuff. I mean, yeah. again, Green Day still knows how to play. Oh, yeah. Doesn't change anything. Right. And people are very, very split on that Green Day album, like wildly all over the place opinions on if that album, if they love it, hate it, indifferent to it. <laughs> so it's a it's a hard thing. I think I'm just torn between one. I get the I get the argument of like when bands rely on backtracks. I don't like that either. Like when the over reliance is so strong that you can tell it messes up with a live performance. The music on the album is not really their own. I don't like that either. But there are so many bands that use backtracks just to help amplify the sound and the, everything they're doing. It doesn't matter. It's still them playing. So, and it's a yeah. hard line. Like, you really have to take each band piece by piece to know which ones are using it, which ones aren't. And there are many, 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 many purists out there that say, oh, if yeah. you ever use a back, like, I think this is probably Eddie Trunk's opinion. If you use a backtrack, you're not a musician. And I do disagree with that. Oh, yeah. So, if you have any thoughts about backtracks, leave them in the comments because I'm sure everyone has thoughts about that. Also, if you know more about the whole Shine Zach Meyer specifically, but Shine Down being called out by Eddie Trunk? Yeah, I don't think it was on the podcast because I skimmed. I don't think so that. either because I think it was something on SiriusXM or Access. So. Yeah, and that again, that's still weird, but whatever. Yeah, uh, Zach would not make a specific call out to a big name like that, and that's a specific call out. And like mm-hmm. people like uh, the drummer from Coheed and Cambia that you pointed out was like in Zach's corner immediately about it. Yeah. Coheed and Cambria, another band that uses backtracks, but they definitely play their own stuff and they're very talented at it in all their live shows. Yep. I mean, they always crush it. They usually do a really good job live playing the instruments. So you know it's them. Yeah, the, so. the drummer, Josh, he said, you know, God forbid band wants to sound as good as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well... Speaking of using a backtrack for your music and not sounding good, Maroon 5 had a bit of a disaster with their performance over the past couple days. Oh, dear. Maroon 5, another band who over-relies on backtracks. This is a perfect segue. <laughs> and auto-tune. Yeah, <laughs> and a whole lot of overproduction to hide a lot of problems with that group. But anyway, Maroon 5 played at Viva Del Mar, which, for those of you who don't know, this is a big festival in Chile, in South America, that has been going on for over 60 years. Now, you have to take this... This isn't like to the level of Coachella, where it's a big worldwide phenomenon that people from other countries come to. This is still a big festival. This is going on for six years. They televise the entire thing. If I'm correct, it goes over five days. Mm, wow. This is a big event. Also at the big festival this year, where Backstreet Boys... I believe Ricky Martin was supposed to be here, but there was a lot of problems. And it's also a big issue because Chile is under a lot of civil unrest. There's a lot of protesters, rioters, tons of stuff going on. I mean, the, the festival itself 
was not getting attacked, but was getting bombarded by protesters like trying to march in and things like that too. So, hey, a country is on the a south, southern hemisphere. They also have issues with their government, but you know, they're probably way more severe than ours. We all complain about our governments, but yeah, Chile has got a lot of issues right now. However, Maroon 5 did not help. They were the ones to close out Viva Del Mar, and boy, oh boy, they sucked it up. <laughs> they sucked hard. It got to the point where people were instantly complaining on social media as soon as the show was over. There was no encore. Adam Levine didn't even say thank you, Chile, good night, we love you, nothing like that. A 15-song set at just about 90 minutes, if I'm correct, maybe less than that, like probably like a 70 minutes. Oh, wow. And there's no nice way to say it. They showed up significantly late for their set. So like, and that's obnoxious. Adam Levine sounded terrible from what everyone's reporting. Like he literally sounded like garbage. And he also looked like he was wearing dirty clothes and rolled out of bed. Also, can we just talk about his mohawk? It's disgusting. It's not so much a mohawk as it's just like he combed all his hair back. It's gross. And then you look at his shirt that he was wearing during the performance. It's like, yeah, it looks like there's food on it. Like he spilled soda all over himself. Oh, gross. It, that's what it, am I wrong? That's what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, so... It was today that Adam Levine made a quote apology, unquote. And that is the best way I can describe that. It, As I say, it still sounds like he's blaming it on. First, he tried to blame it on production, like saying, like, I couldn't sound as good as I wanted to. And that frustrated me, that type of stuff. Yeah, he said it was technical problems. Yeah, let me, I have it pulled up right here. Adam Levine is, this is a report from MSN being quoted, having everything pulled together. Adam Levine has apologized after Maroon 5 were heavily criticized by Chilean fans after giving a disappointing performance at the Viva del Mar, Viña del Mar, excuse me, festival on Thursday. While concert goers inside the Quinta Vergara Stadium, probably botched that, appeared to be enjoying the televised show, and this was all broadcasted, Levine appeared to be struggling to give the set his usual energy, and viewers took to Twitter to express the frustration with the pop band. Making matters worse, Levine was caught on camera complaining about the festival as he exited the stage saying, that was a TV show. That was not a concert. So literally people could hear him complaining as he was walking off the stage. Hmm. On Friday, Levine posted a video to his Instagram stories where he apologized for the unprofessional performance, explaining that he was so focused on being his best that he let it impact on how he was behaving on stage. First of all, no, I do not believe that for a second. Mm -mm. That's a hot garbage apology. That's yeah. That's garbage. That's not an apology. I was so focused on being great that I ended up looking like I sucked and didn't care, and I couldn't even change my clothes before I got on stage. That's how focused I was on giving Chile Chile the best I could. No, get out of here. That's not it at all. Going back to the quote statement. From Adam Levine, you know, being in a band, you play a lot of shows, and I am so, so excited about concerts and about being my best and the band being our best and being our best for you guys, honestly. Best, 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 best. Uh, okay. You know, performing, I take seriously, sometimes too seriously. And to be totally frank, there were some things holding me back sonically last night, and I let them get to me, and it impacted how I was behaving on stage, which was unprofessional, and I apologize for that. How is that being frank? That doesn't sound like you're being frank at all. Mm. So he gave like their screenshots of the Instagram story with like with Gretchen's favorite hairstyle now. Man, that is like a it's, it's terrible. Like a, it's a thicket of grass, it looks like like a 
man. It's, I mean, it's it's like, dude, you're as, 40. Come on. As someone who has crazy person hair, that guy has crazy person hair. <laughs> Adam Levine continued, sometimes when those technical problems take place, I zero in and focus on singing because I feel like that'll be the best way to put this thing out on TV for 60, 60, 60 million people. There's a typo. Which is what that show was last night. 60 million people tuned in, apparently. Mm. I don't know if that number's true or not, but that's what he said. I struggled a lot, and sometimes it's really hard for me to mask that struggle. I did let you guys down, and I apologize. Okay, that statement right there. At least that's something. Levine mm. ended his message by saying he was super excited about the band's performance coming up in Santiago and promising that it'll be the best of tour. After the band's 70-minute, 15-song set, fans were quick to express their disappointment on social media, and there's a lot of people complaining. One person said, Adam sounds awful, and he doesn't have the moves like Jagger at all. <laughs> did they ever think he did? Another 40-year-old, another one said the 40-year-old singer was accused of looking reluctant, distracted, and uncomfortable. Well, I'd be uncomfortable if I were there. Yeah, well, there's a lot going on. Like, there's pictures of, like, the people trying to, like, literally bum rush into the actual events, but whatever. Oh. The band were also late on stage, meaning that the presenters Maria Lucia Godoy and Martin Karakama, again, sorry, best pronunciation, had to awkwardly fill in the minutes before their arrival. Oh, that is terrible. Yikes. Like, they're having to kill time just for Maroon 5 to finally show up in dirty clothes. (laughs) Man, and I'm looking at the picture right now. Man, it's just... First of all, he's got the saggy pants on. And then he's got this dirty... It looks a little torn up shirt. I don't I don't even know how to say. It's created a very difficult situation for the band to deliver their normal show. The band loves their Chilean fans. Maroon 5 has now moved on to Santiago de Chile for their headline show at another festival, it looks like, in Florida, de la Florida, where they will mm. pay for 30,000 people and then on to perform an additional seven days through South America. And I want to add on top of this, they just performed in Brazil, if I'm correct, either yesterday or today. And apparently it was great. People loved it. That's yeah, I understand a, having like an off day. Right. But... You can have an off day and not be a disaster and start yeah. blaming production issues and having saying, a terrible attitude on stage. Yeah. yeah. Corey Taylor almost broke his foot and he still gave a show. I thought he did break his foot. Yeah, there's reports about that. So back oh. and forth, whether or not. Regardless, and he's that was like right before the show and he still went on just fine. Yeah. He did not care. And people didn't even know until, like, he said something. Yeah. So, I don't want to hear a crap. I mean, everyone gives the famous story. You know, Dave Grohl broke his leg on stage. He continued to play while he was being treated. Oh. He sat down and just gave his leg to, like, the medic and so they could, like, bind it up, put a splint on it. And he just kept on playing. That's impressive. Right? That was years ago. That was, yeah, but... There's so many stories like like that. You hear about so many bands, especially rock bands, playing while sick. Mm. That happens all the time. Oh, Adam yeah. Levine looks sick, and I'm willing to bet even if he had like a sneeze, he would probably just try to cancel out of something. Yeah. He's pampered. I think that's the best way to say him. Adam Levine has been pampered. The voice, not having to do stuff with Maroon 5 outside of a bad Super Bowl performance. This tour he's doing in South America where he clearly can phone in. That's... And he's got a big tour coming with Megan Trainer this year in in North America. I will not be attending that. Barf. But honey, I bought us tickets already. 
Oh, honey, eBay. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't want to sell those on my account. Yikes. <laughs> wow. I mean, there's speaking of which, this is kind of a quick transition, like outside of our bullet points. Coronavirus is attacking all over the place. People are very worried. The death counts over 3,000 in throughout worldwide. And people are saying coronavirus is like killing off people that already have underlying health conditions. Mm-hmm. And most people are going to be fine. I get that. It's still really scary. And now concerts are being postponed and flat out tours canceled. Yeah. I said Star Set because Star Set had to cancel a show because the venue and everyone else canceled because of the coronavirus. They had to cancel one date. Lacuna Coil canceled their entire tour in Europe. Mm. So it's a bigger deal than people realize. Cruise ships are getting quarantined. Just, eh, eh. So here's hoping things get better for that. So I just wanted to point that out too. So if a tour is getting canceled or postponed because of coronavirus, it's probably for the best. Mm. You don't want your favorite artists and singers and people like that getting sick and getting affected with coronavirus. Yeah. So it's a bummer for sure. But yeah, that's just how that is. Moving on to very different news. We'll come back to the States. Tenacious D announced a very specific tour today. And it's been a while since their latest album, which came out in 2018. And mm-hmm. I'll be, uh, my opinion, it wasn't that great. It wasn't as funny as I think the, I was hoping and other people were hoping. Maybe other people loved it, though. That's just me. I've never seen Tenacious D live. And for when everyone's saying Tenacious D is a blast live. And they have a very specific tour coming this year. Starting this fall, they're all having this big political swing tour. They are specifically touring, n- targeting non-voters and touring through all the swing states in the United States. The per- this is called the Purple Nurple Tour, Twisted Hard and to the Left. Because oh when you have a purple nurple, you twist hard and to the left. Get it? So oh that's God. the whole thing of that. They're hit, they're, I'm quoting Loudwire from uh, Graham Hartman. Twisted to the left with the goal of hitting swing states such as Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Florida. After people leave, they'll be playing in Virginia too because Gretchen's right in that area. Yep. The biggest voting body of the 2016 election wasn't made up of Trump supporters or Hillary supporters. It was made up of non-voters. That's my thing, too. It's the people that didn't vote that decided the election. Almost 47% of eligible voters did not vote for the president in the 2016, compared to 25.6% for Hillary and 25.5% for Donald Trump. This year, Tenacious E will partner up with 46 for 46 to get fans registered in hopes of the Democratic candidate beating President Trump on November 3rd. So the D in Tenacious D stands for Democrat. <laughs> That's pretty much what they're going for right now. Lord. And they did not hide their feelings um, as Jack Black and Kyle Gass wrote. Trump is the most divisive, corrupt, and dangerous president in the modern history of this country, and we simply cannot stand for another four years of his administration. Now is the time to erect, elect a real leader. And they didn't even say who, the, who they would back. They're just saying... Anyone on the Democratic side, not Trump. And I'm not trying to make this a political campaign. I'm not trying to take this podcast political. I'm just trying to report this. Tenacious D, I kind of like the idea of them trying to make a big tour just for the swing states and trying to get people right before the voting time in November to do it because the tour starts in September. Oh, yeah. So they're doing it smart, covering Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, North Carolina, Florida, Maryland. Pennsylvania, and then ending in New York. New York's not a swing state, but still, you get the point. Yeah. So I think um, the tour poster for this is immaculate. 
I boy oh boy. Um, I'll have to send a picture. I'll have to send a picture of this. Uh, I'm gonna send it to you just online, so that way you can see it too. While I read this next part, but yeah, I mean, this is an awesome idea for a tour. I at least get the idea behind it too, and I agree. More people should vote, especially if you're able to. But okay. I just, I'm, I don't care who you vote for, by the way. I'm at the stage right now. I just want people to vote if they're capable of voting. I don't want to hear the garbage argument, which I've heard so many times. Oh, I don't know how to vote. I don't know where to go. Uh, it's such a pain. No, it's insanely easy. This whole argument of like, it used to be a pain maybe when you had to mail in everything and like get registered and stuff like that years ago in our parents' day. Now it's not. Mm-hmm. You 30 seconds to sign up online, they mail you your voter identification card, and then you show up to vote. That's it. So take this for what it's worth. However you feel on who you want to vote for, that's your business. Just vote and tell other people to vote. I want 2020 to have a much better turnout than 2016. Yeah. That's just me. So that way I would feel more confident on whoever's going to win. You know, that way I feel the country actually did speak about who they wanted and the person with the most votes won and a majority of the population voted. That would be so huge. So I don't know. That's just how I see it. Um, Unfortunate news transitioning from that. Gretchen sent me a message over the weekend and I wasn't even able to check it. She sent this to me saying, oh, bummer about Red Sun Rising. And Mm -hmm. she told me about it. She sent me a link on the Facebook post because I didn't even see it on Twitter yet at the time. Red Sun Rising is on an indefinite hiatus and it might be permanent. This was a band, for those who aren't aware, came, like, came out with their debut in 2016, I believe. They had a second album come out in 2018. I've seen them live twice. They toured with Stone Sour and many other bands. They played all the big festivals. They were on Ship Rocks the year I was there. They, do, they were a solid job. They had a good following. They got tons of play on Sirius XM. And now, silence. They had a pretty silent mm-hmm. 2019 as well. Yeah. So it's kind of a bummer. Let's see if I can pull up a phrase like Gretchen, like you do Red Sun Rising too, correct? Yeah, I knew of them and I had seen them twice. Okay. Before I'm trying to think where the second time I saw them. Right. But I know I saw all them um, at Virginia Beach's like Lunatic Luau one year. Um, and then I saw them on tour with someone else. I don't know if it was Shinedown or, or, um, yeah, it might have been Shinedown. I'm try- I think it might have been Shinedown. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so I'd seen them twice. I didn't know too much about them, but like mm-hmm. when I hear the name or like even see like their logo or whatever, I knew yeah. who they are. I mean, their talent came from their singer. He had a really strong. He had a strong rock voice. He was really good with that too. And a very good presence. Yeah, definitely. And like he was the presence on on his live performances too. Like he was the one moving around, getting people into it. Mm-hmm. I saw them live when they opened for Seven Dust at the New Year's Eve show in Florida. I saw them on tour with Stone Sour in Wisconsin. So they they really did a lot in a relatively short amount of time. To all our beloved fans, Red Sun Rising will officially be entering into an indefinite hiatus. We will be forever grateful for all of your love and support throughout the years. Thank you for making RSR an unforgettable chapter in our lives. Please continue to follow us individually for updates on our newest projects. We hope to move forward with all of you into the next phase of our careers. Yours always, Mike, Ryan, Dave, Pat, Ricky. That to mm. me sounds like Red Sun Rising is done. Which is so sad. 
It is. I wish we knew more, but at the same time, if it's amicable, there's no hurt feelings. You know what? They had two. They had two albums that people really enjoyed. Good for them. It's just. It, it always just breaks my heart when you see a band just kind of dissolve after some time, like Wilson. Yes, exactly. Wilson had been around for quite a while too. I know. When I heard about them, like I had just discovered them at Rockville. Yeah, when we year. met them. And yep. I'm like, I'm. I was legitimately upset about that news. Yeah. Even they though I a- just discovered them. Like they were a fun band. They're the band that tried like to have fun with everything. Oh, they yeah. they played a cover of Limp Biscuits Rollin' at Louder Than Life. And I for the first time, like, wow, this song is fun to listen to when someone's actually singing. <laughs> That's just me. Take that for what it's worth. Lord. The lyrics are still dumb, but he made it work. Because he sounds because he has a good the guy Chad Wil, Chad from Wilson had a good voice. He was fun with it all too. But they had been around for 10 years. I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of Wilson's breakup because I'm not sure about all the details. And they really were fun guys. Like, yeah, maybe it's just a thing. Like, we're Red Sun Rising, Wilson. They're not making enough money together doing this, like sticking on the road forever. And they're getting older. Yeah. They have to change it up sooner or later. And that sucks. Maybe that's, a, that's just me making an assumption. Take that for what it's worth. But that's happening a lot more now. Mm. A lot of bands can't stay on the road, so they either have to go home and wait and save up money or make money another way until they can go back on the road again. That's so sad. It is. I mean, streaming's killing a lot of that. If people paid for their streams, it would help. If people down... I'm not saying people have to start buying CDs again, but if people paid for the music, and like the biggest factor in this, in my opinion, the worst part about it, the labels and the contracts just completely siphon any money that the artist would get. Well, and that's why I I do... On one hand, I get the complaints about like tour merch being so expensive, but it has to be because that's where their income is coming from. That's their money. That's what they need. Yeah. So yeah, there's a reason why t-shirts are like $40. Right. They've got to make a profit somehow. And they make better money off tour, like tickets at festival appearances. That's why so many bands love festivals because they guaranteed to sell merch Mm -hmm. and music, like hard copy music too. But at the same time, there are so many of these bands that get like literally forced into terrible contracts from labels and there's nothing they can do about it. They make literally nothing off of streaming that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what sucks. Like yeah. Corey was talking about this like a couple months ago, just looking at YouTube and Spotify, specifically YouTube when people just watch the music videos of Slipknot's own music. Mm-hmm. the band members are the last ones to get paid. And after not only all the money's like divided out before them, they're making next to nothing off millions of plays. Mm-hmm. And that's what sucks. Like when, so when people buy Slipknot's new album, which is still selling well for what I understand, they're making money off that. But at the same time, if you're just watching it on YouTube, unless you have YouTube red, if you're paying for your Spotify stream for Spotify, like Spotify Premium, Amazon Unlimited, they get more money out of that, but it's still not much. Yep. And that's what's killer. So maybe that has something to do with Red Sun Rising. Don't know. Doesn't really say. It just says indefinite hiatus. And from what everything else, when it says, please follow us individually for our newest projects, that to me makes it sound like Red Sun Rising's done. Yep. So enjoy those two albums they had. They, you know, a lot of people really enjoyed them. So it could be worse too. Mm. Here's hoping the best for those guys. I hope Mike, the singer, really finds like a new project or something to jump into too, because he has a great voice. Oh yeah. 
So, and finally, we have two bands who have made announcements saying their albums are done and they're pretty much all set for 2020 releases. Evanescence and Deftones. And I'll talk brief, briefly about Deftones first. It was, um, I believe it was Frank that said that from Deftones saying that the album's all the ton. They spent a lot of time over the past year working on it, probably longer than that too. And they should be ready to go. There's just some few, a few fine tuning things and mixing and stuff like that they have to do, but then they're all set. So that's awesome. I'm a big Deftones fan. I've told Gretchen much about that. She's going to get to see Deftones for the first time at Rockville if we get approved. So that'll be cool too. So now we move on to Evanescence, which is something Gretchen knows more about too. Mm-hmm. Evanescence said their album is almost all but done and they're aiming for 2020. And there's an interesting quote that I'm going to say from Amy Lee. And then Gretchen and I will talk about this. Amy Lee tells Loudwire Nights, which is like one of their uh, shows, it's definitely 100% us, Evanescence, the new album, but it's also taking risks. And I think it's meaningful, deeply meaningful. It has a lot of attitude. So this is from what Amy Lee is pretty much saying, that this album does have a few risks on it, but it also has a lot of attitude and it's deeply meaningful. Yeah, that cover of The Chain was a risk. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Please tell people um, what happened with the cover and what you thought of it. I'll, I'll chime in. <clears throat> As a diehard fan of Fleetwood Mac, I thought it was atrocious. <laughs> it was um, just, it was lazy. Thank you. That is the perfect word. She sounded like she just rolled out of bed. And didn't care. Like, didn't oh, care. we're doing she, this? Okay. And also... also as a fan of Evanescence, as a fan of Fleetwood Mac, on paper, this should be amazing. Oh my god, I was so amped for it because she should have killed it. She sounds like she's the type of woman could have belted out those notes. She's someone actually that everything put some- about it stunk though. Like even the instrumental parts. Speaking of backtracks, yeah, they used a bad backtrack. It on was that terrible. One. It was bad. Like it was like a two note backtrack, and it was just like a very ominous slow plotting they turned it into something that it's they turned it unemotional they turned one of fleetwood tracks most um dynamic sounds that just with such a great build-up it's so much history and the everything about it and just turned it into a snore fest yep and of all the people amy lee should could have knocked this out of the park so easily mm-hmm. and they did not the whole band it's the whole band thing too i know it's not just it didn't sound like anyone showed up. Yeah, it, it just, it was awful. Yeah, so if you haven't heard it yet, I'll put a link in the comments on the card and stuff like that too. Also put it on getrock.net. Let us know your thoughts. I know we've talked about this before probably on the podcast, but still, it's just, it's worth bringing up again because Evanescence's new album is coming this year, apparently. She didn't reveal much about the lyrical content, the theme, because there's apparently going to be a theme. And another quote from her, I definitely have felt like I have one, on the other side a lot the past two years so there's a lot of writing that's i guess in a way back to my roots that i'm searching for meaning in things that stuff's all in there but it's not all dark and serious so it's return to roots but it's not all dark and serious fallen the debut which is still holds up is dark and serious mm-hmm. so i don't know where the um discord is on that i just to put it bluntly i don't know what to expect from evanescence yeah, and we're gonna see him live. I'm excited to see him live. Uh, we saw him live at Rockville last year, mm-hmm. and 
I'm hoping we get approved for Sonic Temple to see him again. I want another shot to shoot it, like have a better photography experience with them. Mm-hmm. Both Gretchen and I saw them at individual different shows when she was touring with Lindsay Sterling, who's also going on tour this year. Um, Evanescence. And that was a that was like a more formal sit-down, very sophisticated with the symphony type show, because that was that album that just came out at the time. Which also was okay. Yeah. It was it wasn't bad. It was not bad. It was just kind of there yeah (laughs) so i want to hear new music and that's what this is supposed to be this is all new songs i'm excited for that again though i where's the fire where's the passion this is a woman who has such an amazing voice multi-instrumentalist she knows how to write Mm. where is it because it wasn't in that song. Yeah. And and she didn't have to write all that when it was already written. No. (laughs) She just had to sing it. Uh, I don't know. So that was the last bit of news that we got like in the past few days. And I will say this just briefly um, in this moment, because I was talking about them earlier, like like a band that does use backtracks. I've been a fan of it this moment for the past 10 years. They have a new album coming out later this month. And I'm bringing this up not because speaking of cover songs, like wretched cover songs that Gretchen and I aren't uh-huh. a fan of. Um, on the upcoming album from In This Moment, Mother, um, there are two cover songs, and one of them is Fly Like an Eagle, which has been an opener for In This Moment for the past year live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take the I'll go first because you went first on the chain. I think the cover of Fly Like an Eagle by In This Moment is beyond slow and overly dramatic in one note and terrible and just not that does not show off the talents of maria or the band in any way well and it's just i guess the fact that they opened with it on every single show last year is just old yeah it also opens the album after an interlude or an opening track like a first minute like a one minute track and then it's fly like an eagle yeah it's just uh yeah, I mean, like, people give Five Finger Death Punch a lot of flack for singing tons of covers all the time. I know I have. Well, the new album didn't have any covers, so I'll give that a point for that one. Yeah, but I don't want to hear time- anything from you people who hate on their covers. Okay, okay. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make uh-huh. is another band that really does a lot of covers is in this moment. They've always had at yeah, least one cover, per, one cover per album. The difference is they usually do pretty well with them. Yeah. They do. I, this one of Fly Like an Eagle is the first uh, question. It's not as bad as the chain. No. It's not oh, as no. offensively bad as the chain. I get what they're going for with Fly Like an Eagle. They're trying to change it and make it their own into an in this moment song. I at least get that. And like, I would like it if it just, if it didn't, especially at like the festivals last year. It's, yeah. It's that not was their opening song. So when it's you already not a have. Song either. Well, and when you have a set that's already shortened because you know mm, a lot of bands yeah um you know don't don't go with a cover song i agree i wholeheartedly yeah. agree especially if it's someone that's opening the set and it's very slow oh and God, just so a drum slow. pound yeah that's not how you get people into it it's just not it's oh god so slow and i get that you're listening to me say that i'm not someone who has like made their own live show a spectacle that photographers and people live live i'm still a fan of in this moment you better believe oh yeah oh yeah yeah i'm just it's just this one song i'm not a fan of so i think that's available online i'll try to link to it too if that is let me see 
In this moment, fly like an eagle. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, there's live footage of it. So there's tons yeah. of live albums. There's tons and tons of live video footage of so many shows at Sonic Temple, yeah. Florida, everywhere. Because they played it at Rockville, too. So, yeah. Um, I think that's going to start wrapping it up for today. We talked about a lot of different stuff, especially in the beginning, because we were very taken back about that Eddie Trunk and Shinedown thing, because I still don't know what to think of that. If we find out yeah. more news, I'll post it. In the meantime, thank you all very much for tuning in. Please, please, please subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And we want to get that subscriber count to 1,000 on the YouTube channel, just so that way we can monetize it. The main channel's doing well. It's picked back up on speed. Um, I'm getting actual views and subscribers growth again on the main channel. Coming up this week is a look at one of my all-time favorite albums, Rage Against the Machines, The Battle of Los Angeles, which Rage is also starting their tour this year with Run the Jewels, which is going to be an awesome thing to see if you can. And there'll be more stuff coming up. I will have Regretting the Past coming in March. I'll have a special video for 10 bands you need to see live in 2020 coming up, along with several other inter album reviews that my patrons are voting on. Um, just lots of stuff coming up. Please subscribe to the main channel. Please subscribe to the podcast channel and check us out on all the socials and stuff like that. Thanks again to Gretchen for all your help. I know you're working on some other stuff as well. Do you have anything you would like to plug for upcoming videos or videos that you just posted? Um, I have... Uh, one of my album art inspired makeup tutorial look things coming up okay. for the new Five Finger Death Punch album. For Fate? Yes. Which okay. I actually heard Ivan say it on Sirius. I did too. Yeah. He pronounced it Fate. So I did too. Yeah. Because we were very confused <laughs> about that last. We talked about this last week. We heard Grant Random call it F8. And I've heard yeah. many other people say F8 too. And like I had to go, okay, which is it? Yeah. And but I like Ivan right. took over Sirius yeah. at some point this weekend. And yeah, he said, the whole Fate. band is the whole band is taking over Sirius XM this past few days, like to play their favorite songs and play songs from the entire album. So yeah. there so. you go. There you have it. I'll link to Gretchen's video once it's posted. So because I probably won't get this podcast up until Tuesday, Wednesday. So thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Again, please tell your friends to subscribe, listen to whatever format you want, speakers, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple, Google. But please see if you get people to subscribe on YouTube. That would help a ton. Check out the main channel. Stay tuned for that Rage Against the Machine video where I talk about one of my favorite albums. And Gretchen, do you have anything you would like to end on? Uh, yes, I would. I would like to uh, wish the happiest of birthdays to Cardinal Copia himself, Tobias. Oh, it's not until least, March 3rd, but yeah, by the time this is posted, it'll be there. So, yeah. the least has a birthday. Yes, can you imagine how weird his birthdays must be? Um, I would totally be down for oh, his birthday party. Man, I can't even imagine what kind of weird birth, even just a birthday cake would be all kinds of crazy. It'd probably be like a scene from the Rats music video. Ugh. Or, or, oh, ooh, ooh, like actual cake rats, like eating that, through it, but they're also icing and cake too. That'd be kind of nice. 